episode number 22, Protecting Your Kids and Church with Kurt Hale. Here we go, tribe. This is the Kidman Tribe Podcast. We're helping you as children's pastors, volunteers, and leaders plan, create, and execute incredible life-changing kids worship experiences at your church. With practical tips, coaching, training, and resources from the best in kids' ministry around the world. It's time to join the tribe. Hey, welcome to the Kidman Tribe Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Noble. I'm so excited that you're here today. We are well into 2023. I hope it's your best year ever. I hope that you're seeing God do incredible things in your ministry, that goals and all of the things that you've been working on are coming together. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the most important topics when it comes to kids ministry, and that is security. How do we keep our kids safe? How do we keep our churches safe? What kind of policies do we need in place? How do we need to change our policies to keep them updated? Where's a great place to get your policies checked to make sure that they line up with what your community and what your parents are expecting? Today, I welcome Kurt Hale to the show, who's a safety specialist. What I love about Kurt is he's also in the trenches doing ministry. Kurt Hale has been in ministry for over 20 years. He has experience in family ministry and in churches of all sizes. During that time, he served in small churches, large churches, and multi-site churches, and has had a real desire and a passion to take what he's learned and help other churches to make sure that they have everything in place to do all they can to protect their kids and their children's ministries. Kurt knows how to build safety systems in a variety of contexts, and he's excited to help you protect those entrusted to you. He comes from Texas, and I can't wait for you to hear him. I hope you're ready for the Kidman Tribe today. And I want to tell you, no matter what size your church is, from small to large, you've got to have good safety in place. I know you'll be encouraged and challenged. We're going to jump in with Kurt right after this message. Can't wait. At 1230Kids, we want to help you make Sunday happen. That's why we're creating hundreds of mini-movies for you to download straight to your presentation software to use in your kids' worship experiences. These are short kids' videos that will reinforce your teaching. We have videos for holidays. We have videos on Bible characters, Bible stories, Scripture, and more. All to help your kids engage with God's Word. It's all in the library at 1230kids.com. That's 1230kids.com. Hey, everybody. It's the Kidman Tribe Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Noble, and I'm so excited to have my new friend, Kurt Hale, today from Safety and Shield on. Welcome, Kurt, to the podcast. I'm so excited. You know, safety and child abuse prevention are such big issues in the church today. And we're going to delve in and do some talking about that. Um, I think every kids ministry leader needs to listen. You need to take uh, take good notes today about how we protect our churches. And Kurt is the expert. So we're excited to have him on today out of Arlington, Texas. So he's a good Texan guy. Um, and so Kurt, what do you think, like, as we dig into this discussion, give us an overview of what Safety and Shield is, what you guys do, And then I'd love to hear you talk to us about what do you think is the number one safety issue when it comes to child abuse prevention that churches are facing in 2023? Great great question, Jason. And I'm so thrilled to be with you today. Um, Yeah, the company is Shelter and Shield. Did I say it wrong? Did I say Shield and Shelter? Oh, sorry. That's okay. That's all right. Thanks for helping me. 
that's okay. But uh, yeah, you know, so what I do is I help churches build child abuse prevention systems using seven components. We start with policies. We work together. Uh, we I like to say I, I, I enter into a conversation with churches to make sure not only are kids and leaders and staff as safe as possible, but the policies that we write actually work in your context because if it's just a document, you're going to put it in a drawer, you're going to forget about it, right? So we enter into a conversation, we do policies, then we move on to onboarding. We make sure we're, we're, we're giving the right people access to, um, to the minors in your church and keeping out the people who want to do harm. And then we move on to training. Training is such an important piece um, of of uh, having a continual conversation to keep that front of mind, these all these child abuse prevention strategies. And then, and then move on from there. For over, We make sure oversight's right. We look at communication. How do we bring everybody into the conversation? Because the more people who know uh, about our policies and, the, and what we want to do and how we want to keep kids and leaders safe, the safer we all get. Yes. And re- reporting and, re- and responding. Those are my seven components. I dropped a lot on you right there. That's good. That's- yeah, we 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 take our time. We really work through every single one of those components so that we can be as safe as possible. And Jason, I think you asked me what the biggest issue right now is, um, and I think it it really matters on where you are. And yeah. you know, some, some churches are at the very beginning of this conversation. Some people know they need to have the conversation and they haven't started yet. And then some just need a little bit of fine tuning, right? Yeah. Um, Overall, I think what I see a lot that I want to combat against is there are a lot of incredible leaders out there who love kids, love Jesus, and they didn't get into ministry because they are passionate about policies, right? right. And I totally get that. And so um, I, I, when I first meet um, uh, a lot of children's pastors or executive pastors or student pastors or family pastors, they're a little bit of embarrassed where they say, I know we need this. I know we need to be going down this road. We just haven't gotten there yet. Right. right. If we could just, Jason, if we could just cross that bridge and say, hey, it's okay. Um, we, maybe there's some gaps, but we can talk about that and work on it together. We get the embarrassment side because the one thing we can't do is ignore child abuse prevention, right? Right. It's out there. Maybe you haven't gotten there yet. But if we could just get over that threshold of saying it's really okay wherever you are, Let's start there and work together. That's what I love to combat. I love for leaders to feel great working with Shelter and Shield. Totally, totally. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, when I was a younger children's pastor, I started out in Stockton, California, and we had a, a case where our junior high youth pastor molested two boys, and mm-hmm. it was it was eye opening, like to get into that situation. And luckily we had policies in place. Luckily we had these things in place that we could go like sitting in a deposition. We all got deposed. And the question was, how did you communicate these to your leaders? How did you, and I'm so thankful we have all of that in place uh, because it would have been a lot worse. So you never know. Like I just say leaders, you cannot afford to not sit down and pay attention to this. I mean, and like you said, Kurt, wherever you're at in this process, don't be embarrassed. Like, take it as, okay, this is God speaking to you today as you listen to this podcast, and you need to get a hold of Kurt to get to get started to get set up and wherever you are. You know, what do you say to the churches that are like, hey, we're too small, like, nothing's going to happen, we're just one big family? Like, what do you say to those churches? I'm sure you've ran into that before. Oh, of course. And, you know, it's funny you say that because in the beginning, when I first started this, I thought a lot of what I was going to be doing was convincing churches that they need child abuse prevention. Right. And Jason, honestly, the national news is helping me in that yes. right now. 
Um, but usually I like to ask three questions of someone who doesn't, he doesn't think that abuse prevention is necessary to church. The first question I ask is if I look, if I'm a child predator yes. and I want to harm someone, where do you think I'm going to go? Do you think I'm going to go to the church that's well-prepared, has safety strategies in place? Yep. Or am I going to go to the place where I can have easy access to kids? You know, every, every, um, perpetrator, every uh, predator ha- needs three conditions, Jason. They need access, yep. privacy, and control. And so if I'm if I want to do harm, I'm going to go find a place that isn't doing that. That's the first question. And I'll the tell you second- this. Let me throw in something on that. Uh, yeah. When I was at AG headquarters, the National Kids Ministry Director, we came across a situation in Washington State where mm-hmm. there, is, there was a whole dark web that pedophiles would post on like almost like a Craigslist of where they'd been to have access right. to children. And all of a sudden this popped up that this guy was at one of the fall festivals at an Assembly of God church that he was posting about it and talking about it. And like, I mean, so if you don't think they're out there, I want to tell you, they are out there. They're looking for places that have easy access. And like they had the fall festival where, you know, it was outside. There wasn't any security watching it. I mean, like we were shocked. And the FBI said, we can't do anything about taking it down. Uh, you have to have good policies in place. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Jason. I'm glad you said that. And, you know, one thing I tell my clients a lot is, you know, a groomer can look like anybody. They can look like me. Anybody. They can look like the person down the street. However, their playbook, the the way they, they, they try to perpetrate their crimes is usually very similar because sadly it works. It works. Right. Yes. And they're out there. Yep. And so um, where do you, that's my first question is where, where do you think they're going to go? My second question it leads to the PR part of this, which a lot of people don't think about. Ooh, that's uh, a big one. Well, the, the fact is, um, you know, parents are new, brand new guests. The parents are going to come to our churches and they're going to be asking, how are you going to keep my kids safe? Yep. And if we don't have a good answer for that, they're not going to stay. It doesn't matter how good the sermons are. It doesn't matter how great the worship is. It doesn't matter how great our kids program or students program, no matter what, our biblical community. If we can't answer that question, they're not going to stay. In fact, one of the first things I do is I show my um, I show my clients their website and I say, why isn't, why don't you have a button on your kids page that says, this is how we keep kids safe at whatever yeah. I'm taking a note for that right now. Right. (laughs) Because um, that's exactly why um, that that's a powerful statement to our community that, hey, we care about this and we're going to be going for this. So if we can't answer that question for parents more and more, they're not going to stay. In fact, Lifeway did a study recently, uh, maybe 2019, I believe. um, And it was found that 10 percent of evangelicals under 35 have left the church. And the reason they gave is because the church wasn't taking sexual misconduct serious enough. Wow. Now, that's, now that's all levels, right? That's the yeah. power dynamics. That's, but you know what? That's higher than that today. I bet it oh, is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Higher. And we're talking about millions of people. This is this matters to the kingdom. Yeah. Um, well, and it matters to the fact that I always tell this to churches, like, you're going to have a victim. Like, if it happens, like, it changes a child's life forever. I mean, it's not only mattering to the kingdom, but like in that kind of a level, like I think I think it's like, man, that just transforms a child. They're going to have to deal with that their whole life if it happens on our watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's you know, I love you said that because that's my third question. My third question is in the churches where abuse has occurred. Um, 
and there's hundreds. In fact, I just got a notification about another one today. Ah. And, uh, the, uh, what, my question to them is, do you think the church leaders saw it coming? Of course not. Right. Of course not, because they would have worked um, to, to stop it before it, it happened. And to your point earlier, we have a chance right now to be proactive instead of yes. reactive, Jason. Yep. And so that's what I want to help church. That's what I want people to feel great working with me. I want it to be, uh, I want us to understand that, look, we are doing kingdom work. We are re- reflecting the love of Christ when we keep safe spaces safe. And we can we can act now instead of before when when the damage has already occurred. Yes. And Kurt, what I love about you is tell us, I mean, you've been in family ministry for I think you said 20 years. Like tell yeah. us a little bit about like this is not somebody just coming out like hey, I've got a new problem. I mean, you've you're in the trenches. And so That's right. you see it. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I was in I was in children's ministry. Uh first my first job ever, it was in a it was a little country church in Mississippi. And that was the only job I could get in the church. I just wanted to be in ministry. And so um, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say this, Jason, but I was the guy who said, uh, I'll just do children's ministry until something else better came along. Right. You know, 20 years later, nothing better came along because I found out how important and how incredible children's ministry is. Yeah. So I did that at a couple of places. And then I moved to Texas um, to a a place called Rush Creek Church. Uh, We have a bunch of campuses around the, the DFW. And I became the family pastor for all of those campuses and um, realized really quickly um, I had always been helping and building and, and working in child abuse prevention systems. But I've, I realized that, boy, I got to get a lot better about this. And I'll tell you, it became a passion of mine as I grew and as I got certified and I, got, and I became part of um, child abuse prevention um, accreditation teams. Um, I got really passionate about helping churches move the ball forward because we can all get better. Right. Yes. And so, um, yeah, so I've been in family ministry now. It feels like forever. It's a passion of mine. Nothing else better came along. That's good. <laughs> and um, and uh, so now, and, and this is the way I, I, I feel God is leading me to help, help churches. And I'm having a blast. I'm working with, with several churches all over the country and we're just getting better together, man. Amen. Well, and I think to, to have the whole package laid out, is really important to have those top seven. Like, it's not something they teach in Bible college. It's not something that, you know, I mean, like I actually, I think every Bible college should make this mandatory to take all their students through, right? Because with that, as we're coming out for children's ministry, like it should be. Luckily, I had a class in Bible college that talked about this safety a lot, that talked about. And so I was really aware when it happened. But if I wouldn't have, I mean, like it was crazy just to see kind of how that all played out. Press showed up on our lawn. I mean, it was like, it was nuts. And so, you know, with that, luckily we had the policies and procedures in place, but I think having all of those seven systems are so, they're just vital. So what would you, like, what's the biggest glaring, when you look at the church world as a whole, like when you start to work with churches, what do you see as a glaring, like, issue when it comes to child safety? Great question. I, I, uh, one thing I do, I love to do is I, it's a free service of mine is I review policies. Okay. So churches, any, any church that wants to can send me what they have. Again, it's just a starting, it's just a way to start the conversation. Yep. And I have a, I have a review process that I go through with these policies and it is very rare, um, Jason, for me to find any word or hint about digital space. Really? People, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. People aren't thinking. People aren't thinking about digital space and the fact that, um, you know, the way I've been taught is, and it's exactly right, that digital space 
entering a digital space with a with a teenage a preteen kid teenager is just like empty in entering into an empty room. Yeah, you have no protection from false allegations. You have no um, accountability there, and so churches aren't. You know, they might have a off the record saying, "Hey, I'm never going to delete my texts," or "I'm we're never." You know, they have a lot of unwritten things. Yeah, but no, but there's no guidance for leaders to know how am I going to interact with kids um, through text? How am I going to do, how are we going to do social media? Or even a brand new one for me the other day was uh, there was a group of of student ministry interns that love to go online and chat while Mm -hmm. while gaming with their kids really, really late at night. And as people fell off, they would be left alone with a a teenager playing whatever they're playing online. And so- Wow. um, Churches, I, that it's, it's, I've seen it, but I, it's pretty rare for churches to have digital space represented in their policy. And how deep does that go down? I know because we're talking about paid staff, but does that go down to volunteers? Does it go down to like, how far do you take that digital policy down? My feeling would be to everybody that has access to, to minors. But what, I mean, what's your feedback on that? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you want, if, if your policy is two unrelated adults in a room, it's got to be, it's got to be the same for digital space no matter who is it's if you have proximity to minors i think it's every staff member and i think it's every leader with proximity to minors has to be under that same policy for sure totally. one do you even do you go as far as saying like you're not to have underage connect like discussion anytime i mean do you take it that far yeah so again it's always got to be a conversation right um because if you write a hard and fast policy um, and it's not going to be something that's doable in your church, then it's just going to go in a drawer and you're not going to use well, it. Well, and to bring up a point there, that's where you get into trouble if you have policies that you don't follow the court. Like if you ever get into a case or you ever get into litigation, like that will be, that's very important that you follow the policies that you have written. That's right. So I usually put a, so let's start with social media. I usually put a, uh, disclaimer. I, I have a starter, like a starter language, and then we can work on it from there. And I put a disclaimer that says, because we believe, um, because we want to meet students where they are, we uh, we will allow leaders to to friend, but no private messages through these different platforms. Mm-hmm. And um, there will be and there will be ministry specific pages where um, interactions can take place. Wow. Um, and then as far as texting, um, yeah, you know. There have been some churches who have desired to um, have a one-off text. So if somebody says, "Hey, Jason, what time is what time is our Wednesday night ministry starting?" I can I can have a one-off text with a redirect. So I can say, "Starting at seven, let's let's continue this conversation in person." Have a they, so they write in a one-off, but then don't have any other kind of conversation. Any kind of again, you have no protection if you're if you're in a digital space alone with a kid. Nope. These a lot of people, you know. I think people see it now, but a lot of people don't realize that these policies are for your protection as well. I want to make sure that um, you have you get you have you're traceable and you're accountable and yep. you're observable. That's the word I'm looking for: observable in all environments, so that um, a false allegation doesn't get you. I had a false allegation with one of my leaders um, a while back, but because she knew the boundaries and stayed inside of them. She was, I was able to clear her, you know, wow. and so this is for everybody. It is. And false allegation can take a leader out of ministry. I mean, we Absolutely. had a, a, another situation in, in California where we had an intern that had been talking to a minor and he actually ended up going to jail and getting a felony 
through all of this stuff and he couldn't prove it. It was an allegation. It ruined his life. I mean, yeah. so like, these are protection. It's interesting, you know, in the church world, it used to be like, well, if it's a, if it's a member of the same sex, like a guy can take a kid, a boy home that even that today, like all you need is a boy to make an allegation and it's over. And so, right. you know, especially if you're in a car alone with them, I mean, it's like, like thinking yeah. of those kind of policies, like, and really talking about that, you know, I mean, it's, it's just interesting where we're at. Yeah, that's right. And, and you, you bring this up. So I say, you know, gender matters a lot less than it used to as well. You said if right. it's one, one with the same sex, doesn't really matter anymore. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. And, you know, especially churches that are maybe haven't really kept up in, in the, the realm of policies and procedures. I think it's a great idea to do a checkup, you know, yeah. say, okay, like take your policies and pastors that are listening. I mean, you're looking for a resource here. It is. I mean, Kurt is a great resource to get plugged into, to have them check your policies and make sure that, you know, you're not wide open to litigation and yeah, that's right. more than litigation victims, people that experience something that is really rough. Yeah, and it's free. So just send it to me. It's uh, you can find uh, shelterandshield.com. You can you can upload it right there, and I'll do it for free because uh, I just want to start the conversation with you. Yeah, I, and but that's a great resource. I mean, it is an absolutely great resource. What else are you seeing out there? Things that you just kind of like scratch your head and go, um, I can speak to one. Let me speak to this. So we had sure. a church, with church check in right uh, in mm-hmm. up in Washington State where we pastored. And they were a church of about, I think we were about 300 at that point. And parents like, we don't need check-in. We don't need, like, it's not that big of a deal. And we like held to it. What we found out, because we were about 15 minutes from the Canadian border, somebody could literally take one of our children, get on a boat and go across and be gone. That child would be gone. And one day we came in and we found an intruder that was pretending to be a teacher in one of our classrooms. And I mean, that just woke people up. So oh, like, scary. like, you know, speak to some of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, how do you get like, what are the things that we have to be ironclad about? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny you mentioned check-in because I hear that a lot. I hear, uh, well, we, we do, we do background checks. Yes. Um, we're good. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, background checks are a good resource. They're very valuable, but Can't they're not impaired though. They're, and they're not nearly as holistic as people think they are. There's no national registry for um, for crimes. And so, um, you know, the background checks come to do the very best they can to pull from a lot of different areas. But, um, you know, the Tarrant County, County where I live, um, they don't they don't turn in that information. And so what do you do in those circumstances? And so, um, yeah, so background check, you know, that's. So when you said, what do I see? I see a lot of over-reliance on background checks without on leaders doing um, personal uh, interviews and doing uh, checking your references. And I love a six-month rule. Let's let's have six months of of demonstrated participation before so that those those guys and girls out there that want to do harm can't just jump into ministry, hurt somebody, go somewhere else. That, well, and, you know, yes. No, I was just going to say, I, I completely agree with that six month rule. Like we've mm-hmm. instituted that um, people need to sit for six months as they're coming in. Anyways, we need to get to know who they, we give leadership away too quickly, you know, and Absolutely. I think then another thing and um, that I think is important because you, this is like the, the question is what kind of oversight are you giving these leaders? Like the mm-hmm. idea of not having a leader alone in a room, there has to be the two rule all the time, you know, yeah. like oversight will be a question and it has to match the standard of care 
that a local daycare would have. I mean, that's where they're going to ask that question. Like, how was your standard of care? Yeah. Well, going back to what do they need? They need, uh, perpetrators need access, privacy and control. And so we have to do everything we can to eliminate all three of those, of those conditions. Um, Well, and you have to realize too, like with your check-in systems, there may be parents that are in a split custody thing that Mm -hmm. the dad, you know, mom or dad is trying to come and get their kids. They'll check them out at church. I mean, that's happened. If you don't have a check-in system, like where you have to turn tags in to prove that that's the parent, even in the perspective of, well, I know all the, all the nursery workers. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. But we still have to have that policy in place because what if there is a nursery worker that doesn't know, right? Or whatever. Yeah, and you got to follow the policy as well. Here's a great test. Can your senior pastor come in without a tag and get his grandson or granddaughter? If they, good question. If they can, then you might want to you might want to work on actually um executing the policies you have because nobody's above it, right? Nobody's above it. Right. <clears throat> without a doubt, it has to be applied every time. The the, the problem is when we give when we do give like passes or we, you know, we don't apply it every time, then there's going to be a pass given sometime and it will bite you every time. Right. That's right. Right. You don't want to have any holes. You want to, you want to seal everything up. Um, again, it's all about being accountable and observable at all times. And um, I think people get it. I think they understand it. Now I am working with, with a church that is having trouble getting people to even understand that why you need check-in. Um, wow. it's, it's the craziest thing to me is there's a church right down the street um, that got in trouble a couple of years back, like, like national news got in trouble. Wow. And I thought, you know, the, the leader there is doing a really good, she's very smart in the way she is um, moving people forward slowly. But I thought she shouldn't have to, there's a church down the street. So, right. um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, Mind boggling because the idea is here's the, here's the idea that some church, well, it's not going to happen here. It happens somebody else somewhere else, but it's not going to happen here. And like you said, the three points, if you're wide open, you better be ready because it could definitely happen at your church. (laughs) That's right. And let's say, let's say you have incredible love and trust with everybody on your kids, student ministry team. Awesome. We still care about the guests though. They don't know those people. And so, we have to demonstrate to the entire community how we are going to care and love our kids and our leaders well. So that, cause I haven't met a church yet that doesn't want young families, Jason, right? I haven't exactly. met one yet. Exactly. So um, that's, we have to be on the ball and we have to, we have to be demonstrating our love for the community. One of the things too, I think that is important to talk about in this discussion is churches need to also do kind of a, an update to their insurance policy to make sure that it's covering, it's providing enough coverage that you have. Most insurance companies are going to require these documents in place. Um, yeah. so if you haven't been doing it, there's a good chance that you could save on your insurance too. What do you, I mean, what's your thought on that? I have, I have great relationships with several insurance companies out there and they care deeply about, and of course, of course, there's the financial side, but they care deeply about the people that they're serving. I've, I've really, really appreciated that. I've, I've gotten to speak with several people in that industry. And absolutely, they are putting out incredible resources and they are um, they're doing everything they can. But it's, our job is to engage and interact um, because you, you, yeah. you want to be you want to be compliant if, if something goes down. 
Totally, totally. And your policies, like we've talked about, the policies in your church have to match up. The center of care is your local child care, daycare, elementary school. So if it's not at least there, you know you need Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Like You need to have somebody helping you walk through it and giving you the ideas and the concepts of what you need to get put in place. You know, and the heartbreaking thing is, and I think this is what really comes down, is when you have a victim sitting in front of you, like mm-hmm. it is heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've had to experience that, but it's like, you know, it is heartbreaking to have to realize like, okay, they got hurt. And, you know, is there something more we could have done? Is there, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just really a, a challenge. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, it, it is heartbreaking and it's kind of one of those, you find yourself there a lot as a pastor, you're in a, you're in a position where you don't know what to say. You don't know what to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, that's why in, in my policies, I always also like love to write responses Yes. Um, so that the game plan is set in place. Yeah. Uh, so because you don't want to have to figure this out in the middle of a crisis. In fact, I have a resource on my website on our re- my resources page. It's called the Pastor's Playbook: uh, Responding Well to Survivors of Abuse, and it kind of goes through at the moment of disclosure. Um, how do you want to be present yep. for ongoing care? What do you want to provide? How do you want? What steps do you need to take? Um, even as far as lang- the language that you use, are we actually are we accidentally um, doing something called spiritual bypassing, which is a which is mm. a term that means, um, uh, boy, I should have been prepared for this. Uh, a spiritual by- where you're using spiritual language to, to get by. yeah, yeah, to bypass and not actually deal with feelings and emotions and recovery and healing and all those things that are not going to be on our timetable. They're going to be on the survivor of abuses timetable, and right. so. Yeah, I love it. Feel free. Everybody can go grab that that listens today. Talk to us a little bit about mandated reporting. Depending on what state you're in, most states now in the U.S., um, any children's ministry leader is a mandated reporter. Talk to Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Yeah, great question. I, you know, if you're not a mandated reporter, you're an ethical reporter. And as I'm looking at the at the at the laws of every state, um, some some states make it very easy and say everybody's a mandated reporter. Others have long lists of qualifications, but it all boils down to you're a reporter. It's, it's, yeah. and so um, I like to put the num the actual agency and the number um, in the policy so that they're very easy to find. I like yeah. to actually put that um, on the website too, as well. And I also like to, um, to put a, a, a timetable. We, we both know that um, you shouldn't leave. You shouldn't leave. Um, if there's a disclosure, you should get that, that reported. Or suspicion, whatever, as fast and it should be as close to the, you know, that the source of who received the disclosure should be the one reporting. Yes. Um, some states have, have timetables, like Texas says four to eight hours, but um, I, we like to be above industry standards there. And so I like to have all again all those steps in the policies, so you have the game plan. Um, you're not having to figure it out in the moment. But yes, oh, my feeling on it is 24 hours. I mean, like if you can put that. To, if the problem with it is a lot of churches will decide that they're going to be the jury and the judge and figure out if it's worthwhile reporting. We yeah. take the perspective of we're going to report and let the let the state figure it out because, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, we can, yeah, we can actually mess things up if we try to be re- investigators um, no. because that's not that's not a role We're we're here to care. And, uh, you know, you know, also we haven't mentioned this yet, Jason, but providing care for the, um, for the accused as well. Yeah, Um, that's good. Now in the, in the, in the news churches right now, we've got a bad reputation of leaning towards the accused more than the survivors of abuse. And you can definitely see that. I mean, 
there's viral videos out there of someone um, confessing abuse before a church family and them giving a standing ovation. That's that's happened more than once. I've watched but, it. Shocking. Yes. Um, it's I know the one you're talking about, but it's happened even more than that. But they do, you know, when someone is accused, they're we're not the judge and jury, you know, and so there we have to be able to assign a staff person to that to that to the accused as well and make sure that they're getting counseling and they're getting care, not to the detriment of our survivors of abuse, but um, providing care for for everybody. You know, we're still the church and we still still people. Yeah, that's right. And so we have to love people, people well. But yeah. Um, mandated reporting, you know, it's, it's not even an option. You just do it and yeah. you put it in your policy and you make it easy by providing all of the contact information there. Totally. Okay. Another question. Here's another one I'm going to throw at you and okay, we can talk about it, but what about a registered sex offender wanting to come to your church? Mm. That's a question that pops up. What's your recommendation? Yeah. Um, so, uh, after you curveball, that's a great question. There is a there is a legal document that you can draw up called a limited access agreement. Okay, and so um, I think interviews are always important. I think conversations are always important. Um, I think um, if we're a place where there's never grace and love and forgiveness, well, then we have to cease being the church, Jason. Right. However, um, that doesn't mean that we can't put limitations on um, for for everybody's protection because I don't want to be the guy. And I'm sure you don't want to be the guy that has to explain to a parent why we allowed registered sex offenders to serve in our kindergarten room. Right. Um, But I do. But there are agreements we can call we can draw up called limited access agreements that that define when and where people can be. And I think that's just a smart move. So I have to have to have to have to like there's got to be a board like somebody assigned to that person. I think there's got to be you know, it's there's definitely but churches get into that. I mean, and it's a it can be a sticky situation. So having your policy written ahead of time is mm-hmm. super important, right? I mean, that's, that's right. policies. So, yeah. Good curveball. Yeah. So, hey, we're kind of coming to the end. Anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, I just I want to make sure uh, I, I say again that wherever you are in the safety conversation, it's okay today. It's time to move forward and we can move forward um, at, at whatever pace. And you can move forward, you know. In a number of different ways, there's a lot of great services out there, but you can't ignore it. And right. so um, you, there's no reason. Again, you didn't get into ministry because um, because you're passionate about this stuff. You love Jesus. You love kids. Right. You love families. And that's how you, we want you to be. We want you to love the kingdom. Um, but th- that doesn't mean we can ignore this part. So let's start wherever you are and let's move forward with victory, knowing that the better we can get at this the more we can reflect the love of Jesus. Yeah. And your policies really are like your bones. You don't really think of your bones very often. They just, <laughs> they work, right? That's you right. have an issue with that. I mean, and so you might be feeling a little bit of pain because maybe some of your bones are broken, but once mm. you're healed up and fixed, you're not, I mean, like this doesn't become a major, you know, like holding your leaders to it, like following them. Those are kind of the, the, the focuses, but that pain becomes suddenly a lot less painful when you have the right policies in place, you know, right. and you have a helper like Kurt that can come along and help you. So Kurt, will you pray for us on our way out today? Let's pray for the leaders that have listened. Thank you so much for being a part. Absolutely. Let's pray together. I'm so thankful for this podcast and this opportunity to talk about this important topic. And here's what we know. 
God, your love is perfect and pure and holy. And the more that we can reflect that love to others, um, the greater that you'll be seen in this world. And that's all we want. We want to make you known and famous. And so, God, may we get better in this area. And for those listening, God, may we start wherever we are today and start moving forward um, so that our church families are protected and loved well. God, I pray for the kids uh, and the students of the represented by the people listening, God, that they can they can know you and they can experience you in safe environments. And God, can we just get better? I, we don't want our churches across our nation to be known for this. Yeah. We want our churches to be nation be across our nation to be known for who you are and for the love and acceptance that can be found um, in our church family. So may that be so. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kurt, thank you so much for being on. Uh, what an incredible resource for our leaders. I will look to, I want to have you on in, again in the fall and just have this conversation again. I think it needs to be an ongoing discussion yeah. we have here at the Kidman Tribe podcast. And I'm so excited to be connected. So thank you so much. Have an incredible day. Thanks for listening, friends. We'll see you next time on the Kidman Tribe podcast. God bless you. Bye. We would love to hear from you. What are some of the thoughts, questions, ideas you would like to hear more about? You can submit your thoughts and questions to thekidmantribe.com slash mailbag. And be sure to share this podcast with everyone you know. Wow, what an awesome time together with Kurt today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were challenged. And I hope you'll take advantage of what Kurt offered when it comes to making sure your church is all good, when it comes to policies and safety and keeping your kids and your church safe. Hey, please go on wherever you're watching the podcast, like, subscribe, share, Give us a good thumbs up, like give us some great comments. We want to hear from you. We would so appreciate it. We want this podcast to be a blessing to Kidman leaders across the country. And only we, we need your help to get the word out to all of the grassroots and get word out about the Kidman Tribe podcast. And we would so appreciate it. You can also find us online at KidmanTribe.com. That's KidmanTribe.com. We have back editions of the Kidman Tribe podcast there. You can also go on and see our blog. Um, the weeks that we're not doing the Kidman Tribe podcast, we have a great, excellent blog with the top children's leaders of the, our country. Also, you can go on and find out Sway for your children's ministry team. Incredible resources there. We would also love to hear from you in our mailbag. And you can find that at kidmantribe.com backslash mailbag or just go on the website. Love to hear your thoughts. Want to hear your comments. Please feed back to us. We'd love to hear what you're thinking, what we can do on the show to even step it up another level and help you with our desire to provide great, great training and resources to make your kids' ministry experiences better. So in two weeks, I have an incredible guest talking to us about worship and how we train our kids in worship, how we use God's word in worship to really get into the hearts of our kids. You are gonna love it. Many of you already use resources from Seeds Family Worship, and I'll have one of the founders of Seeds on the show, Jason Hauser. You are gonna love him. Hauser's been married to his wife, Heidi, for 21 years, and together they're raising three children, Ben, who's 17, Brandon, 14, Abby, 11. They are right in the thick of raising kids, so not only are they content creators, but they're also raising kids who use these great tools. He leads the Songs Family Worship creative team in writing and recording word-for-word scriptures in worship songs. Their ministry has created 10 themed albums and four inspiring worship DVDs to help families worship the Lord and learn His Word together. Hauser leads a multi-generational family worship event across the U.S. in many different places at churches and at conferences in the country, including the D6 Family Worship. 
Hauser draws from his background as a songwriter and a music publisher. He has co-written many influential songs, including the 2010 Grammy-nominated Christian song, The Motions by Matthew West. He also co-wrote West's Dub Award-nominated song number one, More, and Joy Williams' number one single, Hide. Hauser loves to make music that challenges and inspires people to seek the Lord more deeply. He's passionate about helping families get into God's Word and is committed to teaching children how to have an authentic walk with Jesus. So you have somebody who's been in the music industry who stepped into kids worship and said, I'm going to take all my giftings and pour into helping kids learn scripture and really grow a strong faith. You're not going to want to miss it. I want to leave you with one thought that I hope you're encouraged. The seeds that you're planting in the ground today with your watering, with your tending and the kids, they are going to pay off dividends in the future. As a children's pastor, it's sometimes hard to see what the end result is going to be. And now in my ministry, I've been in ministry 28 years, and I've had the privilege even this week of looking at kids who are now adults that are serving God and doing incredible things because of the seeds that we put in the ground when they were little. So please, man, keep planting, keep putting seeds in the in the ground. You're doing a great job. I want to encourage you with that. Thank you for joining the Kidman Tribe podcast today and for always listening. You are loved. You're appreciated. I'm your biggest fan. I'm cheering you on. Go and reach the kids in your world with Christ and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. What you're doing matters for eternity. There's going to be places in heaven filled with all of the kids that you've reached. So don't get tired. Don't go get weary. Thank you for what you do. God bless you. We'll see you the next time on the Kidman Tribe podcast. Thanks so much. God bless. The Kidman Tribe Podcast is a production of 1230 Kids. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your kids' ministry, visit kidmantribe.com.